ವಸುಧೇವಸುತಂ ದೇವಂ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೋರಮರ್ದನಂ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು right welcome back to the geeta class <laughs> we are starting after um a quite a gap two and a half months i think and i wasn't sure how many people would turn up today so you're the you're the brave souls who have come <laughs> in the midst of this rain all right so we ended the classes in uh, Uh, just in time for summer for the summer break we ended with completing chapter 10 and so we are in a position to begin chapter 11 today chapter 11 of the bhagavad gita before i forget we are starting today but we'll take a gap uh, next week i'm not here i'm going to portland so next friday will be off but after that again uh, we'll have classes friday after that so we'll skip one friday the next one chapter 11 this is known as the vishwarupa darshana yoga vision of the cosmic form of god so chapter 11 is an amazing chapter in the bhagavad gita quite unique um all the other chapters are uh, teachings of course the first chapter is a statement of the problem uh, arjuna talks about his his sorrow his confusion but chapter 2 onwards is teaching spiritual teaching all of it till the last chapter the 18th chapter except chapter 11 chapter 11 is a magnificent chapter where where arjuna gets the vision of the cosmic form of god basically the entire universe as god that amazing vision an extraordinary poetry most awesome poetry and it's also a little timely that we are starting it now because there was a movie which has been released recently oppenheimer I haven't seen the movie but I've got the book. The book is also very good. A Pulitzer Prize. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, reading it. The movie it seems it was based on that book. And in that movie if um uh, it seems they have shown where the the first atomic bomb explosion in the test of that atomic bomb and Oppenheimer who was something of a uh, you know like is interested in the Bhagavad Gita. And so he quotes from this chapter the vision of uh, this terrifying vision of this extraordinary power manifest so that's what the atom bomb exp- the first atomic bomb explosion reminded him of that he recalled that and he actually recited it at that time it seems um some people if you just read it just like that you would think this is the climax of the bhagavad gita you would think um why any more chapters bhagavad gita should have ended with 11th chapter isn't it just this the nothing can exceed this this extraordinary this dramatic vision of of god actually seeing god so that should be the end of the bhagavad gita but no chapter 11 is followed by chapter 12 <laughs> and 13 and 14 15 and pretty humdrum nobody seems to be worried neither krishna nor arjuna they they go on with the dialogue so it it seems to be an interlude in between little bit of you know like special effects <laughs> people don't understand that sometimes i remember in this class we were studying uh, the bhagavad gita with the commentary of madhusudana madhusudana saraswati's commentary 
and this was at the Harvard Divinity School. And the professor expressed this sentiment itself. Why is there in, in chapter 12? He said that the Gita should have properly come to an end. It feels like a great anticlimax when chapter 12 starts. But no, this vision which Arjuna has is not the goal of Vedanta. It is not even final in spiritual life. It's not even final in spiritual life. What he wants to see here is, um, we'll come to that, but he wants to see basically this, um, the entire universe in God, the cosmic form of God. Uh, in Vedanta, we know the goal would be to realize that you are Brahman. The identity between the individual and the cosmic. I am Brahman, I am Brahmasmi. This realization must come. Otherwise, it's what um, Americans would call a mind-blowing experience. Yes, you had a mind-blowing experience. What then? What next? You can't say what next to enlightenment, to realization that I am Brahman. There's no what next. Uh, because all time, space, object, everything is sublated there. Everything uh, becomes an appearance of that ultimate reality, which you discover yourself to be. Then every question is answered. Nothing remains after that. But here, life goes on. You had an amazing experience. And you will never forget it. You will recall it for as long as you live. Yeah. But does that mean Arjuna is enlightened here? No, not necessarily. So this is the 11th chapter. Mm. And that's why there is sufficient scope for you know, further questions, further teachings. 12th chapter and 13th chapter, they will all go on. Not only that, this is like our, it comes from, not really seeing what is going on in the Bhagavad Gita. This kind of a doubt. Why is there anything after the 11th chapter at all? Because you will notice that the, all the traditional commentaries, Shankara or the commentary I have in my hand, Sridhara Swami's commentary, all the traditional Sanskrit commentaries, none of them have this question. Why does the third, 12th chapter start at all? No, nobody asks this question. They know, they, for them it's pretty uh, common sense. There are more things to be learned about spiritual life, so it goes on. But still, having uh, said all that, this is an amazing chapter. Um, the real amazing part of the, in this chapter is the poetry, uh, the, the, uh, the stunning vision of God, which is, uh, um, you know, for example, well-known verses, uh, one of which I think Oppenheimer himself recited at the first atom bomb explosion. Um, what was this vision like? And it's described as if a thousand suns were to rise in the sky simultaneously. The one sun, we can't look up at the sky. And if a thousand suns were to rise in the uh, sky sim simultaneously, that is the radiance of this divine being, which, which Arjuna is seeing. Um, so the description of what Arjuna saw and his own reactions are all vividly described here. Um, so what was the effect on Arjuna? He wanted to see it. And what was the effect on Arjuna? He was terrified. The result was he was scared. <laughs> he was terrified and he said, I don't want... He, he really wanted it. He prayed for it. He got it. He said, uh, he was so scared. He said, I don't want it. I want to see you back in your human form again. I don't want to see this. I can't bear it anymore. He gives a description of, he says, every hair on my body is standing on its end. The very earth shakes with every step the cosmic being ta takes and so on. Um, 
so that description will be given here. Since it's mostly poetry, uh, there isn't going to be much explanation. So we'll go pretty fast through the verses. The f uh, it starts off with questions from Arjuna. First, a few verses from Arjuna. You can chant after me if you like. Arjuna Vacha, Arjuna Vacha, Madanugrahaya Paramam. Madanugrahaya paramam guhyam adhyatma sangitam guhyam adhyatma sangitam yatvayoktam vachastena yatvayoktam vachastena mohoyam vigato mama mohoyam vigato mama read out the translation arjuna said by the supreme and secret discourse known as Adhyatma that you have delivered for favoring me, this delusion of mine has been destroyed. Alright, so what's the context here? In the last chapter, the last verse was, so the last chapter to, to recall briefly, what was it about the 10th chapter? It is um, a list of what is called divine glories. So what is this divine glories? Um, as I explained last time, there are these three conceptions of God in Vedanta. So first is the personal God. So Krishna as a person, the blue-eyed Krishna, the blue-hued um, Krishna as a, as a person, that form. So that is God, an incarnation of God. Avatara is an incarnation of God. Krishna is an incarnation of God. And so is regarded and worshipped properly as God himself. Krishna, we regard, you know, Rama or Jesus or um, Ramakrishna. So these are incarnations. Hindus will go to the extent of regarding the Buddha as God. Buddhists don't accept God. And we, we Hindus take the Buddha as an incarnation of God. So that is God. The incarnation of God, avatar, is God. So Krishna here, as the person, is worshipped as God. And some, some sects of Vaishnavas, those who worship Krishna as God, they will stop there. So who is God? Very clearly Krishna says, I am God. So who is Krishna? Krishna is this God is this person Krishna, manifested in this way. Um, appeared in the earth and then disappeared, but eternally exists in that form. The name, the name of God is Krishna, the form of God is that, and that's it. Then a more, uh, a, a, a more universal form of God would be, the second conception is, God as the creator, preserver, destroyer of the universe. In every traditional religion, wherever God is accepted, theistic religion, God is defined as the creator. So theistic God is always the creator. If it's not the creator, then it would not be the God which we are acquainted with. So God is, is the power behind this entire universe, the cause, the first cause. So the creator of the entire universe, creator, preserver, destroyer. In the Upanishads also, Taittiriya Upanishad says that from which all these beings have come, that in which we all exist and that into which all of these will disappear. That is God, that is Brahman. Uh, the Brahma Sutras defines God as um, Janmadhyasya Yataha, uh, which means birth etc. of this is from that, from, from what that is called God. So in Sanskrit, Asya Jagata of this world, of this universe, 
जन्मस्थिति भंग अराइजिंग बर्थ एग्जिस्टेंस एंड द अल्टीमेट डिजोल्यूशन इन टू दैट दैट वन इज कॉल्ड ब्राह्मण सो द सोर्स ऑफ द यूनिवर्स दिस इज सेकेंड कंसेप्शन ऑफ गॉड गॉड एज द क्रिएटर प्रिजर्वर डिस्ट्रॉयर द यूनिवर्स द पावर बिहाइंड दिस एंटायर यूनिवर्स सो यू कैन ईजिली सी फ्रॉम अ पर्सनल गॉड वी हैव सडनली बिकम मच बिगर एंड देन देर इज इवन फर्दर सो इन हिंदुइज्म एज विवेकानंद सर वी हिंदूज वर्शिप a transcendent immanent god god is not only beyond this universe creator of this universe but in and through this universe so just as the water in the ocean is present in every wave that comes in the ocean the waves imagine the waves are coming out of the ocean so what's there in the those waves the same water similarly if this universe is being created by god the so god is also the material cause of the universe that there can be two views about this one view is god is separate from the creation creation is separate universe all of us we are all separate and god is some separate somewhere else heaven or something like that beyond this universe not here that's one view but the vedantic view is god is not only transcendent beyond this universe but also in and through this universe what is this universe it is just god under a network of name form and function I'll repeat that the network of maya the network of name form and function thrown over existence consciousness please thrown over brahman that is the idea of god in sanskrit in vedanta saguna brahman brahman with attributes another name ishwara another name bhagavan and so on paramatma these are various names there's a second conception of god oh third conception sorry so god is everywhere in this universe so three conceptions of god one is the personal god could be krishna could be rama the incarnation or could be a deity a particular deity like vishnu narayan and all of that shiva but then a deeper understanding is that this deity is the is the power of behind this universe controls everything in the universe from which the entire universe arises second conception third conception where is this deity when is this deity what is this deity where everywhere here when all the time what everything so those who want to get technical it's not pantheism it's a more specialized term called panentheism god is reflected in this universe and this reflection exists because of god without this the universe wouldn't exist but god is not literally a table not in that sense so three three senses there's a nice hindi saying which captures all three and it relates to rama it's it goes like this i'll tell you the hindi and translate jo ram dasharath ka beta so ram jagat pasera wahi ram ghat ghat mein leta that rama who is the son of dasharath the king dasharath the son the personal god so ram jagat pasera that rama is the creator of the universe you can't you can no longer say personal god because uh, creator of the universe must have existed before the universe so the creator god and the same rama exists in every entity in this universe universe ghat ghat mein later immanent in and through this universe so these are three conceptions of <coughs> god in um vedanta in gita beyond these three is the final where the absolute nirguna brahman where you can say aham brahmasmi the individual and the cosmic you are that reality that's even deeper than these three 
When you talk about these three, there is a difference between God and us. But in the ultimate reality, I, you and Brahman, the ultimate reality are one, the identity. That's the last ultimate. Now, in the why am I saying all this? Because in the tenth in the tenth chapter, what Krishna had done was, since I am that God, which not only as this person Krishna, but also as the creator of the entire universe, but also as immanent, existing in everything in the universe, pervading the universe. Therefore, the question is, how am I to think of you? My Lord, how am I to think of you? So one way he gives is, with eyes open, with open eyes. Kabir says, Khule nayan dekhu sahab ko. With open eyes I behold my Lord. So, how do you see this? He says, because the entire universe is my manifestation and I am in this universe. Therefore, when you see anything of special glory, you should connect it to me. You should think that I am appearing in that, that form. So, he gives a list of things which you see. Things which we see in this world and which we associate with magnificence, power, glory. Immediately, because our senses are easily drawn to that, you connect it to God. I am that. So, for, for example, we read it, for example, among all the shining bodies in the sky, I am the sun. Among all the mountains, I am Mount Meru. Among the rivers, I am the river Ganga. Uh, among the Vedas, I am the Samaveda. Among um, words, I am Om. Like that. So, he gives a whole list. So, what does that mean? He's only the Mount Meru among all mountains. What about... Um, you know, the Rockies or the Appalachians or what. And then later he will say, not only just these, I am actually everything. So at the very end of the chapter he says, Atavab, this is 42nd verse of the last chapter, 10th chapter. What's the point of giving you this extensive list, O Arjuna? Vishtabhya aham idam kritsnam. This entire jagat, this entire world, I pervade it all by a fraction of my power, by a fraction of my being. That means everything in this universe is nothing other than me. Now he said that everything in this universe is nothing other than me. Um, now Arjuna wants to see this. He says, he will say, I've heard it and I believe it. I'm not doubting it. It's not like I don't believe this. Show me. I believe it. And I've heard it so much. I have studied the Shastras earlier, the scriptures earlier. And now you're telling me what I've already read. It's not something new that I'm hearing, but you are telling me. And of course, it's amazing that I'm in the presence of an incarnation of God. This is unprecedented. This is a rare, rare opportunity and blessing. However, you said that you are this entire universe. Now, we don't really see the universe in that way. I would like to see, how do we see the universe? In bits and pieces. I see some people here, some chairs and tables, one room here. I don't see the entire universe and all living beings and every entity in the universe from every quark to every quasar. I don't see all of that together. I don't. None of us do. But all of that together in one reality, that's what you're claiming. That this reality is God, the cosmic form of God. I want to see that. So this will be the request he will make. So he says, Mad Anugrahaya, out of grace to, for me, you have, you have taught me. He says, Guhyam Adhyatma Sangitam. This, uh, 
most profound and secret teaching you have given me. What is this secret teaching? So according to the commentator, so there are many commentaries, you know, I bring different books at different times. Today, though, I've got the commentary by Sridhar Swami. He wrote this commentary about 600 years ago. Uh, what is he, what what is Krishna referring to? That this teaching, this most profound, most secret teaching called Adhyatma. Adhyatma is the word for spirituality. The spiritual teaching that you have given me. Which one is he referring to? According to the commentator, he is referring to all the teachings that have come from the beginning, from chapter 2 onwards. So he says, um, the commentator says, Mamanugrahaya, in order to be gracious to me, Shoka nivrittai, in order to remove my sorrow, my suffering. Paramam paramarthanishtam. So the, uh, that which, is, which relates to the ultimate reality. Guihyam, secret. Secret means gopyam, profound. That which is not revealed casually. Adhyatmamiti sangitam, that which is known as spirituality. What does it consist of? So here the commentator elucidates. He says, Atma anatma viveka vishayam yatvaya uktam vachaha. The words which you have spoken about distinguishing the self from the not self. So this is very Advaitic. The first step in Advaita Vedanta is you answer the question, Who am I? Am I just this body? Am I the prana? Am I the mind? Am I this biological system? Am I a psychological self? Who am I? What am I? More than who am I, what am I? And the answer will be given in Vedanta that you are the witness consciousness, your existence consciousness place. So this teaching, where was this teaching given? It's all the way back in chapter 2. So he says, Shashtadhyaya pariyantam yadvakyam, all your words from the beginning till chapter 6. What's this chapter 6 business? Those of you remember, one way of classifying the Bhagavad Gita was 18 chapters into 3 parts. Chapters 1 and one to 6. Then 7 to 12, then 13 to 18, three parts. What do these parts correspond to? Tattvamasi, that thou art, you are that. The, the essential teaching of Vedanta, that you are Brahman, you are the ultimate reality. The first six chapters correspond to who am I? What's my, my real nature? That's the first six chapters. And then the next six chapters correspond to God, that. To God. So we are firmly in the second part of it. And the last six chapters are supposed to correspond to the identity of these two. Or the ways to, to realize this identity. That you are that. For newcomers, he's not saying that you are God. What God really is, what you really are, they are one and the same. They are one and the same. According to Advaita Vedanta, you are not the body, not the mind, not this personality. You are pure awareness, existence, consciousness, place. And according to Advaita Vedanta, God also is existence, consciousness, place. It's only with the power of Maya that this existence, consciousness, place or pure awareness becomes the God of religion. So you are not, he's not saying that the individual is the cosmic. That's literally untrue. How can one be equal to infinity? It cannot be. However, both one and the so-called one and the so-called infinite, um, so-called God, or, you know, they are both appearances of one underlying reality, which is called Nirguna Brahman in Advaita Vedanta. So, 
So here Arjuna says, you have taught me this. And because of that, my uh, delusion, moha, this delusion is gone. Then the next verse. Verse 2. Bhavapyayo hi bhutanam Bhavapyayo hi bhutanam Shruto vistarasho maya Shruto vistarasho maya Twatta kamalapatraksha Twatta kamalapatraksha Mahatmyam apichabhyayam Mahatmyam chapivabhyayam Arjuna goes on to say, Verily about the origin and dissolution of beings I have heard from you in detail, as also, O lotus-eyed one, about your inexhaustible greatness. So the, here he refers to the next six chapters where God was talked about, the God of religion. And how is God defined? As the creator of this entire universe. So he says, Bhava Apyaya, the arising and disappearance of all beings, the entire universe appears and disappears because of it. And God is in charge of all creation, existence, destruction. So this I have learned. That means I've not only learned who I am. I, you taught me who I am, not the body, not the mind. I am the witness consciousness. But I've also learned what is God. You have taught me what is God. God is that from which the entire universe, all beings have arisen, in which all beings exist, into which all beings shall, shall disappear again, living and non-living. And also the glories. In the last chapter you have told me about your glories. Mahatmyam, the glories. The commentator here, he has a very nice sort of um, um, inspired sentence about God. Whenever I say God, I mean um, the Vedantic idea of God, Saguna Brahman. Technical note here. Somebody asked me, in, somebody sent me an email just yesterday. In such and such talk, Swami, you say, first you said, God is pure consciousness plus Maya. But then in the same lecture later on, you said, God is this pure consciousness plus the cosmic causal, causal body, cosmic subtle body, and the cosmic uh, physical body. Which one is it? <laughs> uh, it's the same thing. Uh, technical, I'll just tell you in technical terms what is meant by that. So, God or Ishwara is defined in Vedanta as Maya um, avachinna chaitanya. Consciousness limited by Maya or associated with Maya. And this is called Ishwara. And the same consciousness limited by Maya with the cosmic mind, that means all our minds, all our subtle bodies together, that is called Hiranyagarbha. And the same consciousness with Maya and with, with the cosmic mind and with all living beings together is called Virat, Virat, the vast. What Arjuna will ask for now is actually a vision of that Virat. We are seeing the Virat right now. But the way we are seeing it is uh, in slices and pieces, little bits here and there. But all of it in one being, that we are not seeing. We are just seeing it fractionally, scattered, broken. Arjuna wants to see all beings as this Virat. So what is God? Both. When the, so in answer to that uh, person who was asking that question, so when I first said God is 
pure consciousness limited by Maya, I was giving the definition of Ishwara, the technical definition of Ishwara. Then later when I said God is pure consciousness limited by Maya plus or limited further by the cosmic mind, limited further by the cosmic body, there I was giving the definition of Virat. Now if all this seems too many terms, too much complication, just look at yourself. Just look at yourself. You are awareness plus what or limited by what? You're limited by three bodies. One is this physical body. The other one is the subtle body. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, personality. Further back is something, further deeper is something called the causal body. So you plus the causal body, that's your seed state. You plus the causal body, subtle body and this physical body. That's you, that's the same you right now in this waking state. So, what, is the, what does the commentator say about the, how amazing God is? The Sanskrit is also befittingly amazing. So that's why I'm going to read out the Sanskrit. Sridhar Swami has written here. Vishwa Srishti Adi Katritvayapi Sarva Niyantritvayapi Shubhashubha Karma Karetritvayapi Bandha Mokshadi Vichitra Phaladatritvayapi Avikara Avaishamya Asanga Audasinya Adi Lakshanam Aparimitam Mahatvam Chashrutam I have heard from you. Though you are the creator of the entire universe, Vishwa Srishtiya, the creator, preserver, and destroyer of the entire universe, Sarva Niyantritvayapi, and you are the controller of everything that happens here, is because of, or because of you. Sri Ramakrishna put it that way, even the, a single leaf doesn't move in this universe without the will of God. So everything that happens is the will of God here. Even though everything, you are the controller of everything, Shubha Karma Karitritvayapi. You are the one who makes all of us do good and sinful things also. Everything is done because of you. So, Bandha Mokshadi Vichitra Phaladatritvayapi. And you give such diverse results to us, such diverse destinies to us. Some you make, make enlight the best possible outcome, enlighten, enlightenment and freedom from samsara. That's the goal that you enable some people to have. And he says, Bandha, bondage and samsara, you give to many other people. And that also, it's because of you only. So in that case, God is completely enmeshed in samsara. God is all the partiality, the problem, the evil, everything will, will affect God. Isn't it? And not only that, if God is making us do all this, any action implies change. Then God is subject to change. Then he says, even then, so all this, even, even if, even if, even if, then he adds, Avikara, you do not change, you are beyond change. He's going to talk about the glory, even if by doing all these actions, the creation, preserver, preservation and destruction of the universe, you do not change. Avaishamya, you are not partial. You are not subject to any kind of partiality. Asanga, you are completely detached. Nothing, none of this actually touches you. Audasinya, and completely neutral. You are not on side of this person or that person. You are, because of you, all of this is happening. And if we realize this, we will also be free. Because that this is our real nature also. This is aparimitam mahatvam. So this is your limitless greatness. So, 
The interesting thing, what's the limitless greatness? We no- normally think of God as uh, all the omni-attributes, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, uh, present everywhere. But the greatest the glory of God is, in spite of this tremendous activity, in spite of being responsible for everything, God is yet unaltered, unchanged, undecaying, unaffected by all of this. This is an amazing uh, characteristic of God. Of Brahman. Oh. And he goes on to say, Atas tvat paratantratvadapi jivana maham katta itiadi madhiya moha vigata. So my delusion is gone. What was my delusion? Even though all beings are entirely dependent on you, but we have this sense of agentship. I am the doer, I do such and such things. And therefore I become the recipient of the results of those actions and then I suffer in samsara. That delusion has gone. You can always hear in what Arjun is saying um, an unspoken but. Because an ask is coming now. <laughs> A request is coming. <laughs> I believe this. I have heard this. You have taught me this. Everything is wonderful. This is great. But... Then number three. Evam etad yathathattvam Evam etad yathathattvam Atmanam parameshwara Atmanam parameshwara Drashtum ichamite rupam Drashtum ichamite rupam Aishwaram Purushottama Aishwaram Purushottama What you say about yourself, O great Lord, is just so. O best of persons, I desire to see your divine form. Uh, here is the request. He says, you have said all these things and I believe you. It's not that I don't believe you. I'm not asking for proof here. I believe you. But see, I, it's one thing to believe, another thing to see. It's even one thing to understand, but another thing to see. This is the request with which Vivekananda, you know, Narendra Nath Datta, the young college student in Calcutta in the late 19th century, what did he go around the city asking great religious teachers? Have you seen God? I would like to see God. Not that, do you believe in God? Or why do you believe in God? What are the arguments for God? What is the basis? No, no. Can I see God? Not understand God. Not believe in God. That's great. I believe. I understand. But I want to see. Is it possible to see God? And it was Sri Ramakrishna who was the one who gave a direct answer. He said, yes, I have. And you too can. You too can see God. Not only that, Sri Ramakrishna would say to each one of us, the goal of human life is to see God, is to realize God. So here, um, Arjuna is asking for, for that uh, boon. There is this, the commentator says here, Atrapi avishvaso mama nasti iti So I have no lack of belief in what you are saying. I have no lack of faith. I have full faith in you. I am not asking as a skeptic. Tathapi he purushottama, o purushottama, even so, tava ishwaryam, 
ज्ञान ऐश्वर्य शक्ति बल वीर्य तेजो भी संपन्न सो दीज आर द क्वालिटीज ऑफ गॉड भगवान वेन द वर्ड संस्कृत वर्ड भगवान इज यूज समीज सिक्स क्वालिटीज ज्ञान नॉलेज ओमनिशियंट ऐश्वर्य ग्लोरी शक्ति ऑल द पावर्स बल दिस विगर वीर्य this capacity for accomplishing anything they all like cognates very close teja radiance these are the qualities of god tad tvad rupam drashtum ichhami aham this one i want to see actually want to see you right now i'm seeing you yes i believe that you are an incarnation of god you have told me so yourself but um i still see you as my friend krishna i'm still seeing the same person it's not a different experience it's a different understanding different belief all right good but i would like to see because you have just said i am all of these so now what you have done is if you had said i am pure consciousness or i am the creator of of this universe all right that's not here but you're telling me all this that i am seeing now you are that but i don't see you as that i see you as a person can i see all of this in one being so what is this uh, ask what is he asking here see there are multiple kinds of spiritual realization there is what is called brahma sakshatkar i am brahman the ultimate realization why is it ultimate it's only when you know that you are the ultimate truth you are beyond all bondage see it's in from an advaitic perspective even if Arjuna sees Krishna as this cosmic form. The question still remains: If the goal was to take you beyond suffering, the goal was to attain your fulfillment. How did, how was this accomplished by you seeing something amazing? You saw Krishna is amazing. That's wonderful. What about you? What did you start off with? Why did you come to Vedanta? Dukkha nevritti to overcome suffering. Ananda prapti to attain fulfillment. So this is very nice to see all this, but this is something that was not there earlier. That will, this vision will go away very soon. The moment he said, <laughs> "I'm scared," take this vision away. The vision went away. How did this benefit you? And here it's very clear. How did this benefit Arjun? It scared him. That's all. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm saying that's all. That's not true. Of course, he was inspired, and this is something that he'll never forget as long as he lives. But still. So there was this uh, gentleman I knew when I joined the order, you know, in the monastery where I joined first in Deoghar. Uh, he has passed away. I can take his name, Badal Babu. So he was a very devoted gentleman all his life. He wanted to become a monk, but his old mother was there. So the monks, the swamis, told him, "You go and take care of your mother." Um, and so he took care of his mother as long as his mother lived. He didn't marry. Didn't start his own some his uh, family. After his mother passed, he came back and spent the rest of his life in the ashram. And um, so, I saw him when he was quite old. Now, one story I heard about him from our senior Swami, the head of our monastery. It seems this Badal Babu, when he was a young man, he used to go to this very great monk, Premeshananda Ji, who was a disciple of the Holy Mother, Mahasharada's disciple. And Premeshananda Ji was known as uh, an enlightened person, a Brahmagyani in those days. This I'm talking about the 40s and 50s, and 
this gentleman Badal Babu, he was very fond of visiting different monks, and you know he would carry those stories back to Swami Premeshanand. That monk, you know, Swami, I met that person has this kind of a power. That person, you know, meditates for so so many hours. That person has this vision, that vision. So one day, Swami Premeshanand said to him, "I'll tell you what he said in Bengali, sort of affectionately, and then translate for you." He said. Um, ওরে বাদলা সারা জগৎটাই যদি রামকেষ্ট হয়ে যায় তাতে তোরই বাকি আর আমারই বাকি মাই ডিয়ার বাদল অ্যাফেকশনেট বেঙ্গলি বাদলা সাপোজ ইউ ইউ আর টেলিং মি অ্যাবাউট দিস মাংক দ্যাট মাংক সাপোজ এভরিবডি এভরিবডি বিকামস রামাকৃষ্ণ নট জাস্ট আ গ্রেট মাংক অর আ গ্রেট মেডিটেটর অর আ গ্রেট স্পিরিচুয়াল পার্সন উইথ দিস পাওয়ার দ্যাট পাওয়ার অর দিস রিয়েলাইজেশন দ্যাট নো দে বিকাম ইকুয়াল টু রামাকৃষ্ণ দে বিকাম রামাকৃষ্ণ even so what is it to you or to me when all is said and done you know at the end of our lives if we have met a number of amazing people but you haven't had the least bit of realization for ourselves It's just we have read some books we believe in a bunch of things we think we believe in a bunch of things and we have heard some lectures and met some amazing people but what about you what about me So the Premeshanji said to that gentleman, "What is it to you or to me?" That's a tori vaki or amari vaki, meaning thereby you have to see for yourself. So Vivekananda, this was his uh, very empirical for an empirical age. It was very empirical. His approach to religion was: if God exists, we should be able to see God. See means at least experience in some way. If I have an immortal soul, I should be able to feel it. That Vivekananda said that. Um, and that's what drew so many people to ramakrishna see what they, what was the core attraction of the people who were drawn to him and still are drawn to him here is someone who has constant direct god experience and he's so extraordinary we find it difficult to doubt him it's not that he had a samadhi sometime back and now he's teaching us no he's having it every day you go to visit him in the kali temple in dakshineshwar go to his room he's probably in samadhi in front of you so what is that and can we have that we should be able to have that that's arjuna's demand i remember in the institute of culture which is one of our centers in calcutta it's a place called gold park in calcutta so there was once a seminar and in the seminar there's a very interesting seminar i don't think it's been replicated anywhere the seminar was about spiritual experience so all these professors and uh, and others they came and they're discussing what is the nature of spiritual experience they're discussing that one gentleman uh his name was gobind gopal mukhopadhyay very great scholar and pandit um he talked about the experiences of a great yogi krishna prem yogi krishna prem who had a vision of krishna so the discussion was all very uh, you know in terms of uh, psychological philosophical abstract terms what is the neurological cognate of this what it happens phenomenologically or this and that so this gentleman he was a fiery speaker very elderly but he had a booming voice he didn't need a microphone i still remember he said krishna prem is here describing his experience of krishna and this gentleman who spoke he said not an abstraction 
not a theory not speculation he is seeing with these eyes the blue form of krishna he is seeing the peacock feather and the flute he is seeing actual vivid direct spiritual experience so like that that's what drew people to sri ramakrishna and that's what arjun is asking spiritual experience also of many forms brahma sakshatkara the realization i am brahman it happens through what is called brahmakara vritti you suddenly realize this world is an appearance underlying it all is one existence consciousness bliss and you are it you are that existence consciousness bliss that's one kind of realization that's the highest according to advaita vedanta there's another kind of sakshatkara sakshatkara means direct experience another kind samadhi sakshatkara in meditation cut out the entire world concentrate within still your mind and you will have a vivid experience i have known such people living experience of the deity within yourself but arjun is not asking for brahma sakshatkara i am brahman realization is not asking that he is not asking that uh, in samadhi how will i realize god in you know in my heart he is not asking that <laughs> what he is asking is there's no word for it really but it is pratyaksha sakshatkara these eyes will continue to see these ears will continue to hear i can see and move and touch and think in all these senses are working i want to see here god show me so that kind of experience is asking for um yes let me do the next verse number 4 manyase yadi tat shakyam manyase yadi tat shakyam maya drashtum iti prabho maya drashtum iti prabho योगेश्वर तथो मे योगेश्वर तथो मे दर्शयात्मानमव्यय दर्शयात्मानमव्यय ओ लॉर्ड इफ यू थिंक दैट फॉर्म ऑफ योर्स कैन बी सीन बाय मी देन ओ लॉर्ड ऑफ योगीज शो मी योर इटर्नल सेल्फ सो दिस इज एन एक्सप्रेशन ऑफ हिज ह्यूमिलिटी इज नॉट सेइंग can you show it to me a, a challenge all this big talk let me see can you show it to me is not saying that or he is not saying that you know all of this is good but if you could demonstrate it to me once then i would really be convinced he says i am convinced and only if you think show me this is what i really i want it is my heart's desire and that too only if you think i can if you think i can uh, then please show me out of your grace give me this blessing to to see your divine form what he is asking it will come up little later he is asking that this universe which we see in bits and pieces see it all together um what it's like let me give you this, this idea that what we are seeing is now something else when you go out you'll see manhattan and the rain and the floods hope hopefully it'll be better now and then you go back home you'll see something else and this is the way we have been experiencing throughout our life and throughout many lives bits and pieces of this universe one after another but suppose you could see all living beings 
all 7 billion human beings alive now and all other living beings, um, animals and plants and all other human beings or whoever was in the past, whoever will be in the future, all of them together, together in what sense? Not a collection, as one being. See, here's a collection, um, hands and feet and tummy and head, but it's also one being. You see it coordinated into one being and you call this Sarva Priyananda. Now can you think of the entire universe as one being? And can you see that? That's what he's asking. Um, and that's why it was so, so terrifying. I've given this example earlier. Why is it so scary? You know, um, one way of understanding this, the way I understand it is, the, the fright that speakers get when you're speaking to an audience. Yes, all those people staring at you, you, you get scared. Why do you get scared? One, of the, one anthropologist had said, it's because when pe in the animal kingdom when people stare at you, when animals stare at each other, it's aggression. So if you stare at an animal, if you stare at a dog, just relaxing, minding his own business, you go and stare at him. He'll look up at you, and after some time, either he'll growl at you or get up and walk away from you. Uh, fight or fl uh, flight, fight or flight reaction. So uh, when you s stand in front of an audience and all these people are looking at you, now you know they, will, they are not going to attack you. But your uh, animal brain, your limbic system, it reacts with fear. Because you feel all of them are staring at me. And in the an animal kingdom, that's a sign of aggression. That's one, one reason an anthropologist gave why people get scared of public speaking. You, know, you, you get this fear. And I often say that uh, the largest audience I have had this experience uh, was in Belurmat. There were 14,000 people. 14,000 people all together sitting. Um, so that's what you, you get scared. But 14,000 people, but imagine, not 14,000, 7 billion people all together. And all animals and all, you know, all of them, all together. And all of it turns and looks at you. <laughs> uh, how would you feel? Uh, how would you feel? It notices you. Stares back at you. How, how, how would you feel? You'd be, you'd be terrified. Arjuna will we'll see. Arjuna describes his, his terror. It's worth considering. Why, when you ask for God realization, why would you, when you ask for a mystic experience of this magnitude, you'd be happy, right? Why would you feel scared? And why would you want it to stop? We do not know what we are asking for, actually. We once asked Swami Bhuteshanandaji, the 12th president of our order, um, why did Arjuna feel scared? Why do people feel scared when they get their cherished vision of God? Arjuna got scared. Vivekananda got scared. He went around asking everybody, have you seen God? And finally found Sri Ramakrishna. And he said, I want to see God. Sri Ramakrishna said, all right, see. And he touched him and he had this tremendous experience of the world disappearing into a void. And Vivekananda shouted, Wait, what are you doing to me? I have parents at home. Why is it so terrifying? Um, so, Bhutashanji answered. He had this slow drawl the way he spoke. was, Well, don't you think 
if everything is disappearing the world is disappearing your own very own body mind your personality is disappearing won't that be a terrifying experience he said something like that but the next part which i remember very well he was very uh, he was a very humorous person and he never laughed himself but you he would have you in splits in seconds so he said something i still remember he said so wouldn't you be scared however you lot have nothing to worry about <laughs> all the monks were standing it it took us a moment to understand what he was saying <laughs> that you are not going to see god <laughs> you have nothing to be scared of and we immediately shouted in protest and the monks said what are you saying swami <laughs> yeah he was just no unless you try the uh, sadhana spiritual practice that won't <laughs> you don't have anything to be scared don't worry it's not going to happen to you um there's this story of vaikuntanath sanyal one of the householder devotees of sri ramakrishna so the famous incident on 1st january 1886 which is called kalpataru where sri ramakrishna bestowed his grace ab- upon the cl- devotees who were close to him and each of them had a vision of different kinds not just this kind but many kinds um he would touch each of them and say chaitanya hook let let your consciousness be awakened Re- that means realize realize what you are be realized and they all had some had visions of their uh, chosen deities some went into deep states of meditation some started reciting sanskrit hymns and praising sri ramakrishna some danced some wept vaikuntanath sanyal was there he also got this touch and this experience so later he was interviewed years later um what did, what happened to you when sri ramakrishna touched you on the 1st january 1886 he said the moment he touched me i had this experience of sri ramakrishna everywhere uh, every being everywhere i saw sri ramakrishna smiling face his face stretched from the sky to the earth from the earth to the sky uh, with eyes open i saw him with eyes closed i saw him everywhere and it did not go away it, uh, my heart was overflowing with bliss somehow he said i staggered back home after that day but it didn't stop on the way back and at home whether i was sitting whether i was eating uh, i mean i could hardly concentrate on anything in the world it was so vivid everywhere it didn't stop i couldn't sleep all night and the next day and the next day when i began to get a dread a terror that i'll die this way and he said i i pleaded to sri ramakrishna i prayed to him what you have given me please take it back i can't bear it anymore this is the moment i prayed that it diminished and faded away and then he writes all these years have passed and i think now why did i do that at the most what would have happened i would have gone mad i would have died but what did i get back in return the same samsara again back again uh, but he says as the years go past my on- only consolation is the memory of those the, of those three days when i think about it something of that comes back once in a while so several times a day i remember that almost the same thing happened here where uh, arjuna he gets this vision and then he prays to krishna sri krishna to take it back that i can't bear it anymore and one vedanta teacher said this is not final either this is the vision of virata one consciousness embodied as this entire universe living and non living 
Imagine the whole universe is the body of a being and that being looks at you. But even this is smaller than the vision of Hiranyagarbha. Hiranyagarbha is the cosmic mind is greater than this physical uh, universe. And this is even lesser than the uh, vision of Ishwara, which is uh, um, that same consciousness with the power of Maya. And that is also less than the ultimate realization of Brahman, that I am Brahman. Suddenly you realize what you are. All right. Do you have any comments or questions? You can raise your hand. Or mind blown away. <laughs> yes, tell us your name and ask the question. Yes, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, wait for the microphone. He's coming to the microphone. So tell us your name in the microphone Krishna. and then ask uh, the question. Uh, my name is Sri Ram uh, Swamiji. You mentioned about a uh, state of Ramakrishna Paramahosa being in uh, continuously in a transcendental state. Mm -hmm. And then uh, two questions. Was that same as the Sahaja state? That twenty four seven he's in a real realized state, mm. and the, no matter what he's what he's doing, whether he's talking to devotees, whether he's yes. So is Sri Ramakrishna state, especially when M and Vivekananda and others when they met him in the last several years of his life. So was it a Sahaja state? A Sahaja state is where you realize you are Brahman, and then you don't need to be in samadhi with eyes closed to realize that to to remain in that. It's no longer a state; it becomes your natural state, just like. You are Sri Ram now. And you don't need to do any special med meditation practice to maintain your Sri Ram identity. It's natural to you. So for the enlightened one, say like Ramana Maharshi, for example, he was constantly in the Sahaja state. Um, sometimes he would go into deep meditation, but he didn't need that to, to be you know, se centered in his nature as Brahman. What about Sri Ramakrishna? Sri Ramakrishna had a unique state. That was a state, and that's the Sahaja state is something that can be attained by all of us. Uh, Jivan Muktas, they, they can stay in the Sahaja state. They don't need to depend upon special meditation techniques. With eyes closed, eyes open, they know that it's very clear, unshaken realization that I am this one existence consciousness place. Um, but the state which Sri Ramakrishna was in, that's called Bhava Mukha. And this is something that was granted to him by the Divine Mother who ap appeared before him and said, from now on stay in the state of Bhava Mukha. It's a particular state. And the only clue we have to it is, it is something between the transcendent and the immanent. So, he is fully aware of his nature as existence consciousness place, Nirguna Brahman. But he's also aware of that state where Nirguna Brahman with Maya is producing this entire universe. So it's like, uh, being an example is called a uh, it's, it's like being a lamp on the doorstep which illumines the inner reality and the external reality also this but this is a very special mystical state uh, you don't come across it in generally in spiritual literature so Sri Ramakrishna had that state it's called Bhava Mukha Bhava Mukha yeah. so if realized master has to transact business with devotees does he have to leave the Sahaja state and, no, no. and borrow the body-mind complex? No, Sahaja state, uh, Sahaja state uh, the enlightened one can transact with all of us. They don't have to borrow anything. See, it's only in, uh, say, Samadhi. In Samadhi, you're not aware of your own body, mind. You're not aware of the world. So you cannot transact with others. But a Jivan Mukta can transact with others 
uh, um, when not in the samadhi state. That's the sahaja state. Sahaja state means effortlessly, whether in samadhi or in what is called outside samadhi. There's a technical word for that. It's called vyutthana. So in that state also. Uh, these are states of the mind, not the state of the Jivan Mukta. See, Jivan Mukta realizes I am Brahman. In either state of the mind, I am the same Brahman. So how does the enlightened one transact with the world, with the rest of us? It's like this. The enlightened one's sense of I Often we hear that has, there's no ego, it's gone. That's not true. The sense of the I is there. However, the enlightened one doesn't identify with it. It's just a function of the mind. Just as the mind functions, as memory functions, intellect functions, emotions function, why should the ego not function? Ego is also a function. But I am not the ego at all. It's very clear to the enlightened one. Now the enlightened one, what he does is, uh, that ego, it has three referents. Three meanings for, two meanings for the enlightened one, one meaning for us. For us, the ego means I. That's it. I am this body mind. And that's it. That's the only meaning for us. Even when we talk about it, it's that I am not the body mind, I'm not the ego, I'm the witness. It's still theoretical. Or we're trying to grasp it. For the enlightened one, it's effortlessly, I am not this ego. However, the two other meanings for the enlightened one are, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman. That's absolutely clear to the enlightened one. Chidananda Rupa Shivoham, I am of the nature of Shiva, I am of the nature of bliss and consciousness. The second meaning of the I for the enlightened one is this body-mind, but not in the sense in which we understand. It's in the sense which you said borrowed. It's um, what is called secondary meaning. This is all borrowing from the, I'm taking from the Panchadashi. So, so three meanings of I. One is body-mind, personality, which is us. Which is the way we use the word, the term ego, I. The enlightened one uses in two senses. One is Aham Brahmasmi. It points, doesn't say that ego is Brahman. That's absolutely not true. It points to Brahman. The real nature of the I is Brahman. And the second one is the secondary sense in which the enlightened one will use the body-mind. That's why sometimes they use strange terminology like this or here. Sri Ramakrishna would say here, referring to the body, or this. That's how they feel actually, about the body-mind. Yeah. One last question, Swamiji. When Ramakrishna Paramahasa used to go in ecstatic moods, yes. was there a special manifestation of that Bhavamukh? Yes, yes, Bhavamukh. Can you give the microphone? Just pass it down to the back. This gen gentleman who's raising a hand. Yes. Tell us your name and ask the question. It's on. Hmm. Namaste. Uh, this is Vijay. Um, so, is there a difference between enlightenment and moksha? Uh, enlightenment, I'm using the term, English term, for the technical term in Sanskrit on Vedanta would be Brahma Jnana. Brahma Jnana. Brahma Sakshatkara, Aparokshanubhuti, Atma Sakshatkara. Many, many words. Many, many words are there. That leads to moksha. Leads with, without any gap. Immediately it results in. It shows you that you are already free. Moksha means freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from samsara. Freedom from karma. Freedom from the ignorance which traps us with this, in this body-mind. So freedom from that and that's the goal. But the fact is that if we are already Brahman, then we are free from this body-mind. We, we never were trapped. That realization is called enlightenment. That moment of realization. It's a flash. It comes and goes. 
so, sometimes i read that meaning of moksha is you don't there, there is like you don't get reborn again hmm. so is that right like what do you mean yes yeah. that's how it is understood in almost all indian philosophies not only advaita vedanta in sankhya yoga nyaya vaisheshika all the buddhist philosophies uh, all the jaina schools all of them they understand it as freedom from the cycle of birth and death um basically this identification with body mind that i am this person it's not the moment i am this person the death of this body will be my death i will feel it as that and our understanding is that it doesn't stop there it has happened many times in the past and will continue to happen so we don't die with the death of this body and that's not good news when say oh then i am immortal in one sense you are immortal but immortal means be- being beyond death mortality is death so in that sense we are not beyond mortality because we are subject to death not once many times we're born and die and born and die again not a good state to be in so freedom from that that is the classic definition of moksha mukti moksha generally way we talk in india is janma mrityu chakra the cycle of birth and death freedom from that um, and all uh, these philosophical schools darshanas they all understand it in that way another deeper understanding from would be freedom from karma this moksha this birth and death are connected to the idea of karma because of our past karmas we are born now because of the karmas we generate will be born in the future freedom from this cause and effect another deeper understanding would be freedom from causality itself vivekananda says good good bad bad none escape this law but whosoever wears a form this is a form wears the chain to what's the chain the chain is of past karma whatever will happen to this body whatever is the past karma will be effect, will be realized in this body and whatever happens in this body i will suffer because i am tied to this body then what does vedanta say but far beyond is atman ever free no thou art that sanyasi bold say om tat sat om so far beyond body mind is the atman beyond means not physically beyond in reality the difference is not here and there you know not here and this is we are bound here in heaven you will be free not like that differences between ignorance and knowledge of realizing it and not realizing it of suddenly coming to see this is the dream this is a movie and this is real that thing that clarity has not come to us that moment of clarity is called enlightenment brahma sakshatkar atma sakshatkar and what you get from that is moksha you will be free from Mm, uh, birth and death how will you be free from birth and death because you are free from karma how will you be free from karma because you are free from causality karma is basically causality causes have um, uh, effects actions have consequences you are free from causality but how will this enlightenment free you from ca- causality it will show you what you are and you are this existence consciousness basically you are the screen of the movie therefore whatever happened in the movie and the plot of the movie nothing affects you even the greatest flood it will affect manhattan but a movie about manhattan it will not make the screen even one bit wet all the water here in the movie will not is not enough to make the screen a little, a little bit wet a big inferno explosion in the movie will not even burn one square inch of the screen on which the movie why not because they belong to two different levels of reality one is fiction one is reality one is brahman one is samsara when you realize you are brahman you see you are always free from karma you not that it will stop what anything happening in the world or in that body but in the in your mind you will see this very clearly this is moksha from an advaitic perspective there are other perspectives 
the vaishnava the devotee will will say no no none of this there is god vishnu narayan in their in their view or krishna who is beyond causality and catch hold of that god how do you catch hold of god through devotion through love through surrender and by the grace of that god you will go beyond karma he will take you beyond karma and take you to a state where you will live in eternal loving relationship with your beloved god in vedanta that is called brahma loka brahma loka one sadhu put it this way what is the relationship between brahma loka and all these heavens we hear of in different religions so if you understand hindi you'll enjoy this then i'll translate he says us brahma loka ek aur se photo kichiye वो आपको शिवलोक लगेगा कैलाश दूसरी ओर से फोटो खींचिए वो आपको वैकुंठ लगेगा कैलाश another direction you take a photo of the same brahma loka it will look like vaikuntha the abode of narayana from another direction the christian heaven another direction the islamic heaven it is the same thing it's a state of existence beyond samsara but your individuality is not destroyed there you still remain as this person in a very exalted state a very high spiritual state so this so it is true that such heavens are possible vedanta does not deny that but vedanta says even beyond that the truth is beyond all forms of heaven coming and going beyond all personality limitations is you are limitless existence consciousness please the ultimate reality of the universe is you you're not part of it not even whole of it you are it to such an extent that you are nothing but it and it is nothing but you so a very radical statement i mentioned this swami shraddhanand ji um i mentioned it a few days ago in another talk swami shraddhanand ji who was the head of our vedanta society in sacramento um he i went to sacramento recently and i saw some reminiscences which have been typed out they are not published for sale i think not in a book form but some typed reminiscences i saw something very beautiful before he came to america as a young monk he went to swami shivananda the second president of the order disciple of sri ramakrishna who was a great enlightened master and asked him said i have this question so who is this swami shraddhananda going to whom swami shivananda the president of the order this was in 1920s and said i have a question what is the question what is my goal should it be that i will lose all individuality and be one with the infinite existence consciousness based brahman as we hear in advaita vedanta or should i go to ramakrishna loka and live in eternal loving serviceful relationship with my beloved sri ramakrishna you know go to heaven and live with god which one and swami shivananda said as your bhava is as your attitude is so your realization will be so basically what you want and you practice towards it it's not like at the point of death you are given a form to fill up so which one do you want tick the boxes not not so fast you have to aspire for it and work towards it all your life yeah. and then by the grace of god you get that so he said you can both are open to you and then he said something very beautiful he said but my my child if you listen to me i will tell you something you leave it to sri ramakrishna he knows what is good for you better than what you know what he knows what is best for you 
better than what we can understand how much do we understand of god or god realization just a few lectures and books <laughs> even arjuna speaking with krishna after all those teachings when he actually tasted even a little bit of that realization he was just simply terrified <laughs> he would have run a mile if he could <laughs> so we don't really understand it's best to leave it to the lord and the lord will do what is best for us but that doesn't mean that leave it okay then i will not do anything more then let me get back to my the nonsense i was occupied with no we must uh, ask aspire ask and you shall receive knock and it shall be opened to you the door shall open be opened to you om shanti 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 hari om tat sat shri ram krishna rupanamastu